So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms 37. I just want to encourage you guys, um, exhort you guys in the world we're living in today. I saw a video of not too long ago, and I used to work at Norsham, and it's funny because a, a, a video popped up on, on this YouTube feed showing, I'm pretty sure some of you have seen it too, but it just showed um, just a group of guys just ransacking the, the whole store, just like animals barging in, stealing. They stole about $300,000 in merchandise from uh, the Nordstrom that I used to work at. And it's, it's, it's weird when I saw that video. And then, and, you know, there's many other videos that, that continue to pop up where right now there's just all this evil going on in the world. And it, it really put, it really upset me. It made me pretty angry. And I felt it in my heart. And, and that's what this message is going to be. It's a fretful heart. It, I, I felt, I began to fret. And I'll explain what that means a little bit later. But um, I just want to encourage you guys in, in a world that we're living in today, in, in a world that, that, um, that's wicked, that's, that, that has no accountability, that has lost the fear of God, you know, what's, what do we do? What's going to happen? And um, some of you may be asking the question, is God truly faithful? You know, uh, I, I know personally I've asked that question, God, are you truly faithful? God, you, you said you will return. You said you will protect. You said that, that if you are for us, who can be against us? And what upset me when I saw that video is the fact that they got away with it. They got away with three. Not one of them was caught. They got away with the, the, the evil, the wicked act that they did. And it really just burdened my heart. Like, why God? Like, you know, and, and, and we all have that question, I'm sure. Why do the righteous suffer? Why do the wicked seem to prosper? Why is it that, where's the justice? And I was like, Lord, where's, where's the justice? Why, why can't you just, I'm sure you can just snap your finger and they can just drop dead, you know? And, and I was like, and, and the Lord just really ministered to me through this, this chapter. Um, and he told me, do, don't fret, do not fret. And uh, I've, been, I've been doing a study through the life of David, and, and the Lord has really revealed to me so much of who he is and, and, and his, his faithfulness. You know, and, and a lot of times, even as Christians, we tend to worry. And this, this doesn't specifically, this message, it, it, it's going to speak about the wicked prospering up, um, and, and all that, but it doesn't really mean... Um, you know, don't worry about that specific thing. If there's any kind of worry in your life, any kind of doubt, a- anything like that, the, uh, I just pray that this message brings you comfort and it encourages you. Um, and sometimes, you know, we just, a lot of Christians, we, we begin to think, it, that, you know, shall I continue in my faith? Like, where's the justice? Where's, where, where are you, Lord? And, and, and it's like, where's the benefit for turning the other cheek sometimes, right? Where's the benefit to that? And, and sometimes, you know, we don't see the benefit here. So instead of questioning God's sovereignty, you know, let's, let's, let's see what he has for us. 
Um, a lot of people, they, 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 again, we question God's sovereignty. We question how, how God runs his world. You know, like sometimes we, we feel like we can do a better job, right? But as I've studied through the life of David, every single one of these questions were answered. And in this psalm, David summarizes it all up for us. He tells us, uh, well, he pretty much gives us the remedy and the solution to a fretful heart, worry. And I'll explain why I say worry and what, what the definition of fretful means. And David here makes it very clear for us that the, that the Lord is truly faithful. The Lord can be trusted, even through the wickedness, even through through the, the wicked and perverse generation that we're living in and, and, and everything we see, whatever, uh, whatever wrong is being done to us, there will be a day. There will be a day when everything will be made right. And I want to encourage you with this. So best thing is, th- this is a way that we can really find strength in, in the Lord in the days that we're living in, is to really replace worry with with wisdom, worry with meekness, being meek. And David here, from his wisdom, he writes to us from experience. He writes to us from his mature years. When he wrote this psalm, he was mature in his years, and, and he had a lot of experience in God's faithfulness, in, God, in, in, in trusting in God. And here he gives us five things. He gives us five things on what we need to replace worry with. One is a negative instruction, and four of them are going to be positive instructions for us. And um, verse one, he, uh, he's going to start off with a negative instruction. He goes uh, to say, as we look at verse one, he says, uh, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not fret because of evildoers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Do not fret. Do not be envious. And it's incredible to see how many, uh, you know, actually how common it is for Christians to fret or even to be envious of the wicked. Sometimes we look at the prosperity of a neighbor or, you know, who doesn't know the Lord and we begin to become envious of that sometimes. In Psalm 73, Asaph actually gives us the, the same question. He's bothered by the same problem. I'm sure a lot of us in this room today are bothered by this same problem. The prosperity of the wicked, wondering why the wicked so often experience so much prosperity. And after seeing that video that I came across about the, the theft at Nordstrom where they stole $300,000 worth of merchandise, I wondered how and, and why God allowed them to get away with it. Why? These things, they upset me, but there was comfort in it, in this, in this psalm. The Lord really brought me a lot of comfort. Because notice the word fret. This word in Hebrew, it's actually translated to burn, to get heated up. To, to fret is to worry, to have the, the heart burn the definition to fret. And the phrase do not fret literally means like don't get heated. Or better yet, it it, it tells us don't get all worked up. David, in in a sense, is is saying, uh, literally is telling us cool down. 
um, be cool, guys. Take a chill pill. <laughs> He's saying, cool off. Relax. Don't fret. Don't get all worked up over this. Because notice verse 2. He says, For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Eventually, the wicked will get what is coming to them. Eventually, there will be justice. One day, as we see also Asaph in, in, in uh, Psalm 33, he gives us the same concern, but then he, we see he gives us the same conclusion as David, that the wicked one day will get what is coming to them. And we need to understand that any prosperity that is experienced by the, the workers of iniquity, it, it, it's only temporary. Anything that, that happens in this world, anything in this world that, that we inherit or that we work for, it's all temporary. And, and, and I love the quote that Pastor Chuck Smith would always quote, is it is only what is done for Christ that's going to last. Everything else, it, it, it's worthless. Because you see, the grass and the herb is only green for a season for a season, but they will both eventually notice wither away. And the test, guys, will be found in time. It will be found in time, and we need to patiently wait for that time. Don't give in to worry. Don't give in to a fretful heart. I was guilty of that. Stay strong in your walk with the Lord just because people get away with it now doesn't mean that they are in the clear. Just, you know, if, if you're not a Christian today, you have not received Christ into your life, whatever you're doing, the, the wickedness, you, you will be judged for your sin. And you, there, there is no getting away with it. One day we all will stand before the Lord. There is judgment coming. Nobody, no one will escape from it. Eventually the wicked will be judged and the righteous will be rewarded. Personally, I'd prefer that heavenly reward. I'm sure all of us in this room prefer that too over a temporary earthly reward. Because James 5, 9 tells us that the, behold the judge, the judge Christ is standing at the door. He is ready He's standing at the door. And meanwhile, guys, as, as we wait for our deliverance, as, uh, there, there are things that we can do to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. There's, there's things that we can do to prevent a fretful heart. And, and here in verses 3 through 11, we see David give, he gives us the four positive instructions to find strength in the Lord, to prevent a fretful heart. And um, verses 3 through 11. So first instruction we see, notice it's trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. If you have a pen, write down these four. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Notice a, a fretful heart, is not is, it is not a trusting heart. You cannot have a trusting heart if your heart is fretful. And I, that's where I failed because I got fretful. I'm like, Lord, 
so I failed to trust. You know why? Because it lacks joy. It lacks peace in your life. A fretful heart that causes worry. It lacks joy and peace. And Paul tells us in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Notice, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we trust God because we believe Him. We believe Him when He gives us a promise. We believe what He says and we're able to trust in Him. Or else, if you don't, what does that mean? That God's lying? Is God a liar? No. Every single word in this book is truth. And if He gives it to us, we need to trust in Him. You know, because it's, it's remarkable sometimes how quickly, you know, we can just forget His promises and, and get distracted from the simple work of just trusting Him and the simple work of just doing good. We, we tend to get so easily distracted. And, you know, God has promised. What he, I mean, whatever promise He's given you, he, he, at the end of the day, He's promised all of us His Word tells us that He has promised to take care of us. He has promised to protect us. And if you're going through some kind of trial in your life, people are coming against you, or you know, whatever is going on, anything that's difficult right now in your life, trust. Trust. We can trust and we can feed on His faithfulness to do so. We can trust Him and feed on His faithfulness instead of worrying. David here, he counsels us. He counsels the godly. He, says, uh, he, he tells us to simply trust God and do good for His glory. Remember our study in, 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 in um, Philippians chapter 4. We don't understand why bad things happen. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people sometimes, why bad things happen to us as Christians. We don't understand or why the wicked get away with so much, but we have the peace of God that will surpass that understanding. The peace of God in, in our lives because we know and we trust Him. We trust Him that one day He will return and He will settle every wrong. One day. Trust in the Lord. Feed on His faithfulness. The second instruction we see is delight in the Lord. Second, delight in the Lord. Verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. A fretful heart cannot delight. It's not a delightful heart to fret. David here, again, he counsels the godly to put aside worry, fretting, and simply enjoy the blessings of God. He tells us, delight in the Lord. Enjoy His blessings. And we do this with a conscience, a conscience delight in the Lord. Knowing who He is. Knowing His goodness. Knowing the treasure that we have in Him in Christ. 
And notice that word delight, this word translated in Hebrew, it comes from a root that's, that means to be brought up in luxury. It, it means to be pampered, to be brought up in luxury. And this word speaks of the abundance of blessings that, and the treasures that we have in Jesus himself. It speaks of totally apart from what we have now, totally apart from what he has given us now and what he will give us, the treasures that await us. We can delight in that. If you remember our study through the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about this. In Christ, we have all of God's treasures. In Christ, we lack nothing. And now notice, if you have a true delight in the Lord, this true delight, then what the main desire of your heart, because he says he shall give you the desires of your heart, the main desire of your heart will be to what? To know Him better. That should be the desire of our heart, to know our Creator, to know our Lord, to know Him better. And since we know that this is God's will for our life, to know Him, will He not satisfy that desire? God consist- consistently tells us to seek me, Seek first the kingdom of God and all will be given unto you. That is his desire. And if our desire is aligned with his to know him better, will he not give that to us? Examine your heart right now. What is your greatest desire? Is your desire, is it truly to know him better? Because notice, this is not a promise for people who want things, material things. This, is, this does not mean that, oh, if you delight in God, He'll give you the desires of your heart, whatever it is you want, that big house, that nice car. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about material things. This is a promise for those who want more of God in their lives. That's what this is. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires. The one who truly delights in the Lord will find that His desires will align with God's own desires for our lives. It will align with God. That's why if you stay in the Word, the best way to seek the Lord, the best way to seek first His kingdom is give Him time every day. Morning, day, and night. Give Him time. Make time for Him. Delight yourself in Him. And we see here that, that finding delight in knowing God, it, it's, gonna, it's the key of a joyful, satisfied life. You will find satisfaction. Not in the material things. You will find satisfaction in Jesus Christ. You will find it in Him. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And most of all, it shows us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, you know, He is faithful to give us our delight. He is faithful to give it to us because if He is our delight, He will always give us more of Himself. He will always give you more of Himself. He will never hold back. If you're consistent, like when I start reading my prayer 
And, and Danny Bond actually gave me this prayer when I, I, I did a Bible college with him. He says, more light, Lord, more light. Before we start in the word, I'm praying, Lord, more light. Give me more. I want to know more of you. And he has been faithful to come through every single time in, in just, it, it, does, it does not, he does not cease to blow my mind sometimes like when he, when he speaks, when you hear the voice of God, because you begin to delight in him. Who better to have in your life and, and, and on your side than, than him who, who created all things? Who better to get to know? I'd rather get to know him than you guys. No offense. <laughs> but delight in him. So if we trust in him, if we delight in him, we can third, commit your way to the Lord. Verse five through six. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Verse six. He shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noon day. Here David explains what it means to truly trust God and delight in Him. It means to commit your ways, all your ways to Him. Commit your ways to Him. A fretful heart cannot trust in Him. A fretful heart cannot delight in Him, and a fretful heart will not be able to commit to Him. A worryful heart will not be able to do that. And the, the, the Hebrew word for commit here, it, it means to roll off. To roll off your burden. David tells us also in Psalms 55.22, cast your burdens on the Lord. And notice, He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. The righteous to be moved. He will not permit it. Cast, roll off your burdens. Cast your burdens onto the Lord. Jesus tells us the same thing in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, commit to me. Commit to me and I will remove your burdens. Commit to me and I, notice his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he, he removes it from us. And, and one thing we need to understand is that this is not a partial temporary kind of commitment. It's not just um, when, when you feel like committing. God here requires a full, Christ requires a full, complete commitment, not just in the good, but also in the bad, through the hard times, through the trials. You're still committed. Even when we don't understand. You stay committed. Why? Because you trust Him. Because you delight in Him. So you commit to Him. And notice Christ doesn't just take away our burdens, guys, so that we can become irresponsible. 
He doesn't remove your burden so that you can go do whatever you want. Many reasons we fail is because of our carelessness towards God's mercy and grace. We become careless sometimes, thinking it's fine, God will forgive me anyways. Uh, Don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't give in to a little bit of sin. Oh, it's fine, it's just a little bit. I'll just take a peek. No, remember, you've committed. You've committed fully to the Lord. And we can't think that, you know, Romans, uh, Paul says in um, uh, Romans 6, 1. He tells us, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? What is his, his response? I love the New King James response that he gives is perish that thought. Perish the thought of that. We can't think that way. He does it. He re- notice he removes our burdens. He removes our burdens so that we can better serve him. He doesn't remove it so we can better serve ourselves. He removes our burdens so that we can better serve him. He removes those strongholds when you commit. He removes those burdens. When I had that fretful heart, it was a burden. But I said, I, I surrendered it to the Lord. I committed, Lord, you, I can't, I can't, I can't feel this. I can't think this way. And he removed it. You've been forgiven by grace. And you've been given this incredible wealth in Christ that, so, that, so that he and he alone can be glorified in your life. Not for our own gain, not for our own glory. It's all for him. Therefore, commit your way. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? What, what, what's he going to bring to pass? We know that one thing for sure, one thing for sure is, is, is uh, the, the vindication. The vindication of us, of his servants who have been slandered, who have been persecuted by God's enemies. We will be vindicated. It shall come to pass. Our vindication. Don't fret. Do not fret over the ungodly. Do not fret at the prosperity or what they get away with or or even any kind of uh, hardship in your life. Don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get heated up. Stay calm. Stay cool. Stay committed to the Lord. Stay, trust Him. Delight in Him. And verse 6 again, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. What it, right here, meaning that those who have wronged you those who have done wrong to you will one day see and know that they were wrong. Your righteousness will be brought out as the light. Your justice as the noonday, meaning those who wronged you will one day know that they wronged you. And, and you know what? Hopefully they realize before it's too late, right? Because our, our prayer, we're not, we're not looking to, you know, some, like when I had that fretful heart after seeing that video, I, I wanted to condemn those people in that video. 
But we as Christians, we have to pray for those people. Hopefully they realize they're wrong before it's too late, and that's going to happen through your prayers, through your, your, your reaction in love, the way you react. Pray for the salvation of people even if they have wronged us. If we trust the Lord, delight in Him, you commit your way to Him, notice, fourth, you'll be able to rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Verses 7 through 11, let's start verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Again, notice, do not fret because of Him who, speaking of the wicked, do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way because of the man who brings the wicked schemes to pass. Notice God, He promised that He will faithfully take care of us and He will faithfully take care of those who put their trust in Him. Don't fret because of those who prosper in their ways. Because of those, the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. And we see this promise. It's been fulfilled multiple times throughout the life of David, throughout David's life. If you've read uh, the life of David, even when David was faithless, God remained faithful to him and the promise that he gave him. Even when David began to doubt, he acted like a madman because he was afraid of the enemy. The things he would do sometimes, right? Even when David was faithless, God remained faithful because 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us that when we are faithless, Notice, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. And because he has given us that promise, and, and, and he cannot break it, because the Bible also says that God cannot lie, if he were to lie, he'd deny himself. Because he's given us that promise, because we cannot break it, we can believe in Him. We can believe Him. Therefore, we can rest in Him. Rest. In Hebrew, the word rest means to be silent. It means to be still. Be still and know that I am God. Rest. It speaks of a, of a particular kind of rest. This word speaks of silence. Silence. How hard is it to stay silent nowadays? You come across a silent radio station. You come across a silent TV. What, what do you want to do? Raise the volume. How hard is it to stay silent nowadays? But God tells us, rest in me. Sometimes it, it, silence is good. It speaks of staying silent, meaning not speaking any words of self-defense, for example. Not defending yourself. Not standing up for yourself. As this world teaches you, stand up for yourself. I've been guilty of that so many times, and I've sometimes I begin to fret in situations and counsels that, that I've given. I'm like, well, stand up for yourself. No. 
the, the idea is that we will not speak, notice, to vindicate or defend ourselves. Why? What does God say? That he will vindicate us. Instead, we're going to be still in silence and what we're going to trust. We're going to trust God to protect us. Because if you truly believe God, if you truly believe when he tells you things like, be strong, be, be of good courage, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It, 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 that same promise to Joshua is the same promise to us. If he tells us, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, don't be afraid of them. The battle is not yours. God tells us the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. The battle is mine. If you truly believe Him, then you can, what, truly rest in Him. You can truly keep silent during the battle. You can rest. This rest is going to prevent you from from fretting. It's going to prevent you from seeking vengeance. It'll prevent you from defending yourself. Because if you try to defend yourself, I like what Pastor Chuck Smith would say, if you defend yourself, God will let you defend yourself. If you try to defend yourself, there's, there's times where Pastor Raw was wronged and he went to Chuck Smith for guidance and counsel and, and he said, don't defend yourself. And guess who defended him? The Lord went before him. Do not defend yourself because if you try, God will let you and you will only make things worse. Only God can give true justice. Only God can truly vindicate you because he has every record in his book. No one will be able to escape it. And if Jesus, notice, consider you know, the actions of Jesus. If Jesus was silent before those who were mocking him, depriving him of his honor, if Jesus stayed silent, he, he, he had every right to speak up. He had every right to all honor and glory at that moment. But he stayed silent. If he remained silent, how much more should we? So for us guys to get upset at the wicked, uh, you know, at, at the ungodly, the schemes of the ungodly, is, it's really to doubt the goodness and the justice of God. Therefore, verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Again, notice, do not fret. It only causes harm. You see, for you to react in anger, for you to react in wrath to a wrong committed against you, for you to react to that makes you just as bad as that person. It makes you just as bad as the one who committed the wicked act against you because two wrongs do not make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. I, can't, I had a counsel the other day. 
he came in, he was obviously fretful. He was very heated. He was very upset because he just got fired. The reason he got fired is because he punched someone in the face. One of his coworkers, and let me tell you why, because he got angry because his coworker was coming against his faith and speaking wrong about Christ, so he punched him in the face. Was that right or wrong? No. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God says in Galatians, I will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. So he thought I was going to take his side. No. What you did was wrong. You should have responded in love. You should have not fret, been fretful. Don't get heated up over that. If someone speaks against my God, I, I, it upsets me, but I will not react to it because God's not going to be mocked and He will. they will reap what they sow. And nothing becomes accomplished. What did that, that person do by punching him in the face? Did he accomplish anything? No, he, he probably proved that guy right. Misrepresenting Christ. Christ stayed silent when they beat him, when they mocked him. He did not react. Anger, wrath, worrying, and, and fretting are the exact opposite of delighting oneself in the Lord and patiently waiting for Him. It's the exact opposite, so give it up. Give up responding in anger. Give up responding in wrath. Just give, it, give up sometimes responding at all. That's turning the other cheek and just walking away sometimes. Give it up. Do not fret. Trust that God will punish evildoers and He's going to reward the righteous. Notice verses 9 through 10. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. This is the reason why we must trust in the Lord, why we must delight in him, commit your way to him, Rest in Him because evildoers' prosperity is short-lived and it will soon come to an end. You don't want to be on the wrong side of justice when it comes to an end. When it comes to the end. We need to realize, guys, that life is temporary and one day we will all stand before the throne of God for judgment, whether it's in the white, the, the white throne judgment or the Bema Seat of Christ judgment, whether you are judged for your sin or whether you are judged for your works. We will all stand before the Lord in judgment. And being in, in, in one day we know for sure, guys, is that the wicked will be no more. They will be of no notice or have any standing at all. But we, need, but we need to pray for them. God says that I desire no one to perish, but all to come to repentance. He says, I did not create hell 
for you guys. I created hell for, the, for, for Satan and his demons. That's the purpose of hell. But the purpose of hell is now those who reject Christ. For all those who reject God, he says, okay, you've made your decision. You don't want to accept me. You don't want to love me. You don't want to commit to me. You don't want to trust me. You don't want to delight in me and in the treasures that I've given you. You don't want to do that. Okay, I'm gonna, you're going to go to a place where I am not there. Imagine being a place where Christ isn't there. Darkness is not, it, 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 there's no such thing as darkness. It is, it is actually the, the lack of, of light being there. It is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. And who created light? God. He said, let there be light. So what do we know? Satan is pitch, uh, uh, hell is pitch dark. Who created breath? The Lord. There is no breath in hell. I'm not trying to scare you guys. Sometimes it's just important to know where the wicked are heading. And I hope that puts a burden on, on us to respond with love. Hell is the absence of God. And what does God create? Nothing but good. Nothing but beauty. God is nothing but love. There is no love in hell. There is no beauty in hell. There is none of that that we have here. We have breath. We can breathe in hell. You can't take a breath because it's absent. So God says, okay, you want to go there? You've made that decision on your free will. I've given you the chance. That's The wicked will one day end up there. And the righteous guys, us, the righteous, they're gonna, we will be noticed. We will be noticed for all eternity because remember one day again, our righteousness shall be brought forth as the light and justice as the noonday. Jesus quoted the same line that we see here in verse 11. The meek, notice verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Replace fretting with meekness. Jesus quoted the same, the, the same line at the, on the Sermon on the Mount. It was the, the third beatitude that he gave. In Matthew 5, 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, and what? They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. When Christ speaks of meekness, he does not speak of weakness. Meekness does not mean weakness. He actually, Christ actually speaks of power here. When he says, blessed are the meek, he speaks of power. This is a type of power, guys, that it is under the control of faith. A power that is under the control of faith, a faith in trusting God, a faith in delighting in Him, a faith in committing to Him, a faith in resting in Him. This is the, the Christian that, that truly believes that if God is for him, 
Who can be against me? Who can be against me? Consider David, his life, when he was threatened by Saul. If you've read it, he had multiple chances, yet twice he was able to take Saul's life and become king. He was able to do that twice. But the power that he had at that moment to take his, uh, uh, Saul's life, to take vengeance on Saul, was placed under the control of faith in God. The meekness of David was shown at that moment. It was placed, he, gave, he surrendered that moment to the Lord. He placed that, 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 that vengeance under the control of faith in God, resulting in what? Later, David inheriting the land as king. David trusted that God didn't need his help to fulfill the promise that was given to him. And God doesn't need our help. Sometimes we want to give him help. Lord, you've given me this promise. I'm guilty of this. You've given me this promise, Lord. Like, let me help you. Maybe I should talk to this person. Maybe I should do this. Let, let me help you. Meekness. Whatever trust that God is going to fulfill that promise. Eventually, Saul, the wicked, he, he fell. He perished, and David, the godly, triumphed because of his meekness. And so notice next, the results of the wicked. Notice with a laugh, God defeats the wicked. Verse 12 through 13, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming. When David here describes to us, here, the, he, he shows us here that the conflict between the righteous and the wicked is actually inevitable. He tells us that the, this conflict is always going to be there while we are on this earth. There are, you will always see that conflict because this world, it, 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 it has rejected God. We have accepted God, so there's going to be conflict. The, 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 the flesh wars against the spirit. There's always going to be that conflict. And, and he says how without reason the, the wicked plot against the just. Their gnashing of teeth shows their hate and their anger towards us, towards the godly, towards the Christian. But notice how the Lord reacts to this. God simply laughs at them. Because he knows their judgment is coming. He knows that his people, he will vindicate them. And, and Jesus uses this same term of gnashing of teeth. Do you know where? When he speaks of the lake of fire. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So they gnash their teeth. The wicked will accomplish nothing. They will accomplish nothing against the Lord and His people. If God laughs at the wicked, 
shouldn't we be able to at least refrain from being agitated by them? Shouldn't we at least be able to refrain from, from doing that? If he's laughing and our, he, the Lord is for us, we should just simply delight and rest in the Lord. Why are we going to let such harsh words or even wicked acts towards us affect us when God laughs at the wicked? Verse 14 through 15, The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Notice if 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 they even if they don't stop at just harsh words and, and and their gnashing of teeth at us, even if they don't stop there and they continue to carry out their wicked plot against us, even then, even if their wicked plot is, is carried out all the way through, God is still faithful to protect us. He is still faithful, and their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bow shall be broken. Who aims fiery darts at us? Satan. His bow is broken. Consider um, in, in the book of Ruth, uh, Hammond's plot his plot against Mordecai. Remember it, he, how he built the, 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 these gallows to hang Mordecai on? And who got hung on that? Hammond, the very one who built those gallows to hang Mordecai on. He ended up hanging on that same gallow that he built. Why? Because the sword entered into his own heart. And we see multiple times throughout David's life where Saul sought to kill David, right? He chased him. He sought to kill him with what? With a sword. And in the end, where did his fall come from? His fall came from that very same sword that he used to hunt David down. He thrusted it into himself. Their swords shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. God is faithful to protect us no matter what. Verse 16 through 17, it says, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Whatever the wicked person has, it, it, I mean, this tells us it will not last. One day it will all burn. Whatever the wicked has inquired in his wickedness, it will not last. It will burn. And, and, and notice when we die, we can't take anything with us, right? So therefore, since this, the, the wicked's possessions will not last, Notice, the little that the righteous has, what does it say, is far better. 
the little that the righteous have is far greater than the, all the valuables, all the, the riches that a wicked person has. Because again, remember, it's only what's done for Christ that's going to last. It's only what's done for Him. And those treasures, the, what we do for Christ will last for eternity. The crown that is given to us on that day, it's going to be eternal. The mansions that, that He goes to prepare for us will be eternal. A God-trusting, a, 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 a God-fearing, a righteous life is going to be our best investment strategy. It's going to be the best investment strategy that we can have is a godly life, a God-trusting life, a righteous life, staying faithful to God no matter what. Because notice the reward of the wicked is to have their own arms broken, but the reward of the righteous is to be upheld by God's very own mighty arm. The wicked's arms will be broken, but God's arm will never be broken. Verse 18, it says, The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. This verse shows us something beyond this life. It, it, it's, it's something greater than, than the needs and, and the desires that, of, of this life alone that this life offers. This gives us the awareness of eternity. How often, guys, do we strive for the now and for the, the temporary and we fail to invest and we fail to see the eternal? You see, an inherit, an, an, when, you re, when someone receives an inheritance, it's only worth something when it lasts. An inheritance, it's only worth when, when it lasts, and you know, imagine an eternal inheritance. That is worth it. What's the point of desiring? What's the point of working for a temporary, temporary reward when we can desire and work for an eternal reward? Redeem the time. The time that we have, take advantage of every moment. To, to, whatever you do, to do it for Christ. Everything we do, do it for the Lord. God has placed eternity in our hearts. We have eternity. Every man, God has placed eternity. And some fail to see it. Some fail to notice it. We should always look for the eternal. The, we should always look towards the eternal things. Don't fret. Don't be envious of, of whatever prosperity that the world has, whatever prosperity. It is only temporary. We are pilgrims just passing through. This is not our home. Maintain your integrity. Maintain your integrity and your righteousness before the Lord. And, and, and I promise you, the reward is going to be far greater than anything we can ever imagine. Don't worry about what, how rich, how popular, how famous the wicked are getting. You live your life for the Lord. You stay faithful to Him. And, and notice verse 19, 
they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied even in famine when there is nothing left to receive god can still provide even in the famine god can provide for you consider manna the manna when 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 the children of israel walked through the wilderness and they had nothing god provided God can do that for you. If He's done it for them, the, the same God then is the same God now. The Bible speaks that God cannot change. If He provided for His people then, who were always bickering and complaining, He still provided. If we stay faithful to Him and we trust Him, how much more will He give us? Maintain your integrity. Verse 20, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish into smoke they shall vanish away. During, even during a famine, it is the righteous person that will be satisfied. Not the wicked, no matter all the riches they have. During the famine, it, all their riches will be gone and the, it is the righteous who will be provided for. The success, the fame, the prosperity of the wicked is temporary. And notice, it is temporary as smoke. What happens? You see smoke for a little bit, and that's it. It's gone. There is never any real substance. There is never anything. It, it'll soon, it soon vanishes completely. And I want to read to you because I want, I want us to consider Solomon. If you know who Solomon is, the wisest man to ever live, Solomon, even in all his glory and everything he had, all his wisdom, his riches, in all his glory, notice what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it to you. He says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of myrrh, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their life. I made my works great. I built myself houses, planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which, from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants, and I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had great possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and, and the special treasures of kings and the, and the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds, so I became great and excelled more 
than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled. And indeed, it was all vanity and grasping of the wind. There was no profit under the sun. In the end, everything we do for our image, our inheritance here apart from Christ on this earth is vanity. Vanity means it means emptiness, futile. It means it means short. It is something short lived that eventually it will vanish away. So why worry about it? Instead, trust God. Delight in Him. Commit your way to Him and you will find rest. You will find rest. I guarantee it because His Word says it. Let's pray. Father, we just, we thank You, Lord, for who You are. Lord, as You are truly faithful, as you are the one true God, Lord, and, and you truly can be trusted and you truly do love us, Lord. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody in here with a fretful heart, anybody in here that has worries, Lord, anybody in here that, that is struggling, Lord, anybody that has doubt, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you just speak to them, Lord. That you show them that you, Lord, are truly faithful and that you can be trusted. Lord, that you reveal more of yourself to us, Lord, as that is our desire, that is our delight, Lord. That is the desires of our heart. That is the desire of my heart, Lord, to know you more. And Lord, I just, I pray that you answer that, that you give us that desire. I pray that you bless these people in here, Lord, that you grant Lord, protection upon their lives as you have promised us today. That you will protect us no matter what. And Lord, whatever you allow in our lives, Lord, whether it is good or bad, blessed be your name. No matter what, we will trust you. We will honor you. We will glorify you. And Lord, just go before us tonight. We love you. We honor you. And in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.